0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transatlanticist at the American Centrum in Hamburg. I am your host, Andrew Sola. This podcast is called The Transatlanticist because we feature very special guests, people whom we call Transatlanticists. These are people who represent the diversity of the transatlantic relationship in a number of different ways at a variety of different levels. The transatlantic relationship is unique because of its diversity, and this podcast highlights its many different faces. Today I'm very happy to welcome Torsten Janka from the American Poster Institute. Welcome, Torsten.
1: Hello, Andy. Thanks for having me.
0: The American Poster Institute is a nonprofit corporation dedicated to furthering public awareness and appreciation of the poster as an art form. Torsten has curated a gig poster exhibition called Poster Double Happiness which opens here at the American Centrum on Friday, the 2nd of March, at 6 p.m. The exhibition will run through the 2nd of April. Our opening hours are 10 to 3, but please contact us in advance at info at americacentrum.de or visit our website americacentrum.de for more information. Entrance is free. Torsten. As a child of the 70s and 80s, I am very happy with this exhibit because it takes me back to my childhood in Chicago, seeing bands like the Jesus Lizard and the Descendants and Dinosaur Junior and Trans Am, and also seeing the posters advertising these gigs. The bands were, of course, cool, but one reason they were cool was because they had great posters. So before we discuss the exhibition, why don't you tell us a little more about yourself, where you grew up, how you became interested in the music scene that supports these posters.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, Well, thanks. Um, Me, myself, I'm also a child of the 70s, which means basically my pop-cultural socialization started in the 80s. And um, I was born and and live in Hamburg. I'm a a professional graphic designer. I'm a poster maker um, on the site, I would say. So it's it's still kind of hobby, but... It refinances here and there more and more, and it leads to, to gigs like being a board member of the American Post Institute, being responsible for the uh, Flatstock in Hamburg, which is um, the, um, the Flatstore itself is the, uh, the biggest uh, gig poster show in the world. I would say that sounds really bombastic, but uh, basically that's what it is. We have two of them in Europe and uh, four of them now in the U.S., and basically, I would say one of the reasons I'm sitting here today is due to flat stock. Um I maybe have a classic background um, doing, playing in bands, doing posters for your own bands. Then um, people see these posters, say, hey, that's looking good. Can you do a poster for us? And so on and so on. And maybe that's a classic background of many of the, uh, the poster artists uh, who are working today.
0: Thank you. But do you remember, for example, when you were young, one of the first posters you saw for one of the first gigs you were at, that really you thought, oh my God, this is really neat.
1: Uh, yes, I'll do so. I would like to um, uh, differ the one from the other, though, because uh, the gig posters certainly started as a, as a means of promotion shows. But by now, and I would say now also means like maybe 10 years ago, it started to, um, how to say, to develop in a a different direction. By now, the gig poster is more a means of merchandise, maybe somewhere on the fine line between merchandise and and fine arts, you find the gig posters these days. But uh, in the early years, it really was a, a means of promoting a show nowadays. You have the um, the strange phenomenon that, that bands are promoting the posters online and not vice-versa. Um, but for me, growing up in a, in a household, my father was a concert promoter, so I had posters around me all the time. And it started with the early stuff. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen shows uh, like in, in an early age... Maybe no no child should see these kinds of shows. I, I went to Sir uh, Cliff Richards, I went to John Denver, I saw ZZ Top countless times, I saw the Dubliners and stuff like that. So, And we had all these posters back at home because my father always brought them back. So um, it's, it's hard for me to really put my finger on what the first poster was, but... Uh, there were a lot of um, good, um, articulate German poster makers who worked for my father. So um, I always had this idea around me that you don't have to make a poster that looks like the, the album cover. Uh, you can do something completely different as long yes. as it's uh, working on um, on the Litva soil. So, and maybe. It, as I said, it's really hard to say. Maybe one of the the, the early Dubliners poster, which were an Irish folk band from from Ireland, my father promoted them for I guess thirty five years or so, and uh, it was a it was a whiskey glass with uh, the, the the heads of the five members um, put in this glass, which was like so spot on for for the Dubliners um, who were a band who were always asking, where where, where are my drinks when they came out of the um, airport instead of, like, where where are my instruments? (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. So
0: you've organized this special exhibition, which you've called Poster Double Happiness. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the concept of the exhibition, please?
1: Yes. um, The idea is, uh, and I have to say... um, uh, a little bit as, as opposite to the to the flat stocks, the idea was to to show how the uh, American scene and the the German scene, or you could also say the European scene, of, of poster makers uh, influenced each others, uh, grew, um, commonly uh, who were standing on the shoulders of each others, and uh, reached uh, the, the status of gig posters we have today. Uh, which I would describe as a um, point where a relatively obscure art form uh, came uh, a long way to the point where now every big band that's coming through town has maybe one or two gig posters. I mean, bands like Pearl Jam, even Metallica these days have um, gig posters, which they sell out in in minutes. And... uh, it, you could say it, it has become a kind of business, but it's still, it's, it's, I would say, it's a, it's a sidearm of, of business. And uh, as, as much as I would encourage people to, to come into into this um, um, setting, I would still say as a business opportunity, uh, there are maybe 10 gazillion things I could think of as a better uh, way to make some money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you, you, you mentioned uh, the, the gig poster itself and i 've been thinking about that relationship or the lack of relationship between the cover art on the album yeah. and the gig poster. How did that come
1: about and why do you think that 's an important part of this entire culture um, I would say i mean I could speak for the for the uh, for the German uh, situation or for the European situation, which was always different to the u s American situation because over here we Always had like this big uh, litfa soiler or this big walls who were exclusively just to put um, posters on it. As uh, in the uh, in the US, you had the telephone poles, or you don't have posters at all. So um, the whole thing, or maybe I put it this way: the the, um, the the Renaissance of the of the gig poster, which started somewhere in the eighties. Uh, due to punk rock, I would say, um, uh, started with these telephone pole things like cheaply Xeroxed uh, posters who were put on telephone poles and were collected as fast as they I, I might know. have made some of those when I was 17. All right, there you go. <laughs> I'd like to see them. <laughs> uh, whereas over here you always had, had to have a big poster to promote uh, a band that was coming into town. So, uh, but this culture on the one hand was the classic. The album cover is also a stretched poster. And on the other hand, you had poster artists who were really going for a complete different uh, angle, who had their own creative workaround with the image of a band, or with an in joke, or with uh, song lyrics or song titles. And so you could say that uh, even in in the mainstream poster making, there was already a kind of um, gig poster edge existing already. Um, On the other hand, you had the classic, this is the album cover, now it's a poster, which is, I guess, okay when you have a a well-established mainstream act and you basically just want to say, hey, so-and-so is in town uh, next month and that'll be it. I mean, just, just today I came across uh, a poster which was as basic as, as you can think of for the German Schlager artist Roland Kaiser. It simply said, Roland Kaiser, uh, pink typeface on a yellow background. <laughs> as, as an artistic art form, it completely sucks. But as a means of promotion, that's probably the most effective thing you can you can do. And there was always like you, always the balance between these these two things. Maybe the one was reacting against the other. Maybe they were inspiring each other. Um, that's that's always hard to say. I would say, but um, the artist who gets a carte blanche by the band to just do what he thinks. Is good. This normally um, will lead to the best gig posters at all. If you have a tight art direction by the band, it can happen that it looks like, oh, this is more or less like the album artwork, so why did they bother to make a gig poster out of it? Um, if you let the artist Laram loose, you will get an excellent poster 99 out of 100 times
0: you mentioned you let the art the the artist do what he wants which immediately made me think because we're shortly getting into yeah. women's history month yeah um was this always a or is it predominantly a men's movement or have women been involved doing these designs as well
1: well i'm afraid it's it's mostly a sausage party so to say um which is not a good thing. Um, We have uh, a lot of very good European female poster artists. There are a lot of good uh, female US American artists who were always part of the scene. Um, But I would say in terms of percentage, it was mostly like maybe 70 male, 30 female, or maybe even less. Um, and the reasons behind that are maybe th- the same reasons why you have not so much female bands around or have so much female promoters around or, or so on. So basically, it's, I don't know, It's it seems to be a, a male thing to collect records, uh, anal tentative collecting records, playing in bands and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I've, I find it hard to, to really put my finger on it and say, this is the reason why, but uh, at least in in the gig poster movement, uh, we have great female artists. It's just like, um, as I said, like in the general music business, not so much, which is not a good thing. That's for sure.
0: Are are you noticing a change? Are are more
1: in, in the current scene, are there more female designers coming up? I would say so, yes um it's uh, especially in, in in the European context I can see a lot of uh, young female artists coming up uh, out of places you wouldn't expect them we had at the last uh, flatstop in Hamburg we had a we had a couple from from Istanbul Turkey to really doing really good stuff I get more and more um, requests to be part of the flatstop from from the local scene in Hamburg which is always a good thing to have new blood around and yeah um, I have the feeling in, in countries who are already more into um, um, an equal standing between male and female, like, like the Netherlands, you have more, well, in the percentage, you have more female artists coming out of than in, in other countries. Like Holland or the Netherlands is an especially good example. You have a couple of really good female artists coming from there.
0: Good. Well, uh, now that we've discussed a little bit about the history, you have brought in a couple of posters that we can talk about. And I must say the first one here, and I'll just describe it and what I see, and then Torsten might um, say something else about it. Speaking of the the potentially over-testosterone type of designs that we have, this is for a Pearl Jam concert in Poland— in 2007. And what we have is a stylized tree, and the acorns are not indeed acorns, they are hand grenades. And there's a cute little squirrel on the bottom right who's trying to catch one of the grenades that appears to be falling. So and, and it's a mixture of cute and, and violent military imagery, which I think I've noticed before in some of these posters. What would you like to say about this Pearl Jam poster?
1: yeah I, I chose that that poster uh to to highlight the fact that uh, many of the bigger bands and pearl Jam is a really good example because they started the whole gig poster thing really early uh, they by now have, have the world's best poster makers uh, doing stuff for them it's uh, i've heard things from the u.s where people aligning the day before the show at the venue to to get a poster uh, right in time uh, and so they always uh, were very supportive to the gig poster scene. Uh, the the one of the the guys from the Innes Brothers who did this poster is the brother of, of Jeff Amen, one of the guitar players of of Pearl Jam. So that always uh, brought good posters, and I guess they have something like maybe three, four, five hundred posters under their belt now. So, um, uh, And uh, the, the uh, variety of, of styles the Amos Brothers came across with, is, uh, it's simply breathtaking. And uh, most of them was, was for Pearl Jam. I have to say, I'm not really particularly keen on that band, but that aspect of their, their career, I always loved that they have posters and posters and posters.
0: Let's move on to the second one, which is from a Sonic Youth gig. This looks like it was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in two thousand nine. It's difficult for me to describe. The background is yellow, and it looks like an enormous skull. Uh, maybe in a with a with a I, I I don't even know how to describe this. One reason you have to come to this show is because it's very difficult to describe the <laughs> the. The artistic and design bizarreness, I guess I would say, of That's a good some way to of put these it. these posters, which are just stunning and very difficult to describe. Anyway, all I can say is that it has a yellow background with a designed skull on it, with Sonic Youth in one of the eye sockets.
1: Yes, it's a uh, it's. Uh, I don't know who said that. It's like uh, writing about music. It's like uh, like dancing about architecture. It's it's a bit like what we're doing here now, talking on the. On the air about posters, uh, which you might be able to see on on the website or not. I try to say a little bit about these. Uh, this is made by little friends of printmaking, uh, a couple. Well, there's there's a female artist. A couple from, I guess they are from Milwaukee, actually. Uh, I can't really tell. And um, they always they. Um, I think that they managed to uh, have a really great balance between the cute and, and the bizarre. And uh, it's, it's a multi-layered image where this skull is made up uh, from a lot of different scenes, I would say. And um, the great stuff about it is that these folks started to do their first posters, and this might be a little bit of nerd tech talk now, in a software called Flash. Flash which you use to do um, vector animations for for websites, which is ubiquitous by now, um, but that's how they did their first posters, and it's this uh, the mixture of cuteness and etchiness, which they have in all their process, was always extremely fascinating to me, and the Sony Youth is is, uh, is no different. Um, I, um, I'm as stunned as any uh, to, to describe what you really see. And, um, but it's a, it's a very fine example of what gig posters can be.
0: So here's another example. It's uh, very difficult for me to describe. It's extremely abstract, uh, maybe even a little bit post-industrial or something. And it took me quite a bit to realize it was a a gig poster for a band called The Liars.
1: Yes, uh, which tells a lot about how much the uh, the gig poster emancipated from being uh, a means of promotion, that when you have to really look for the band name, um, you know you're talking more about uh, something more in the, the art direction than, than in the promotion direction. This uh, the, the poster in question is made by a, a French artist who's living in Berlin now for a couple of years, which I'm a big fan of, called Damien Tran. And uh, he's part of the collective Palais-Frois. And he is... Um, it's, it's a complete different style from most of the other stuff uh, approach today. It's, it's a day it's it's a very loose abstract collage stuff but uh, he has a way with uh, with colors and forms uh that everything falls in its place i can that's the only way i can describe it and it's 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 beautiful pieces of um uh, of art which and and this is one of the more legible of his posters where you can easier make out the band name um Whenever I can, I include one of his posters or two, and, and, and poster shows I curate because uh, this is, um, I would say, the uh, as close to art as it gets.
0: And, and I, I want to stick with this point about being beyond marketing or beyond sales, because when I look at some of these posters and when I think about the punk rock movement of the '80s, uh, it's, it's, it seems that now with the return of vinyl, it's just at a Record release party, and it was only records that you could buy. And again, the return to the the uh, gig poster idea. Uh, We are we are trying to the movement is trying to get something back from a hyper digitalized and corporatized world. Definitely, yeah. In my some of my research before the show, I I noted uh, an interesting quotation from a gentleman by the name of Mark Marksberry, who owns the Flood Gallery in London. He was interviewed by The Independent, which is a British newspaper, and he said, "'Music has always been about both the eye as well as the ear. You buy into a band for more than just the music because of some connection with your lifestyle. I couldn't have learned to love my favorite bands in the same way without seeing how they looked and how they move and their art.'" That iconography is visual. You could sensibly connect the poster scene and the rise of vinyl, which are both going through the roof in America. A lot of the artists have commented to us that the poster scene has been a way of bringing something beautiful back to a digital world. And I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. It's a way of bringing something beautiful back to a digital and hyper-corporatized world
1: absolutely that's that's really beautiful put and uh, that's I would say one of the reasons behind the uh, ongoing attractiveness of the gig poster movement because yes of course you can have a gazillion mp3s back at home but uh, you can put them on the wall um, we have this one slogan for our own uh, posters which says you can't put your arms around an mp3 and this basically says it all I would say that's right in and, and, and the moment of uh, or in the age of digitalization, uh, where um, when you're lucky, you have a, a little image the size of a postage stamp that comes with your download. Um, people really longing for something to connect to something, put their hands on something to hold in their arms, to put on their walls, and and. Um, I would say the renaissance of the vinyl record with the big covers, with the liner notes and so on. And the um, the gig poster. These are um, the same parts of the metal, I would say. Um, it really says like, even if you have a hard disk with a complete... Uh, recorded music of mankind at home it still is not enough there is something else you need there is as the uh, fine gentleman from the flat gallery said uh, the the visual part is completely missing to the whole thing and uh, um, I would say maybe the fact that you had in the uh, uh, on your your Apple Mac you had a this possibility within iTunes to to have this cover view, it's the same thing. It's a digital simulation of a once-analog culture, which still doesn't really feel right.
0: Indeed, and, and just to go back now to the Liars uh, gig poster from Damien Tron, the other important thing I think we should all recognize about these, maybe the genius of the, the gig poster is that it's advertising just a single gig so it's a single poster for a single event and that's that and so there's something extra special about a single piece of art that is only for a single live event and you can't access it any other way
1: absolutely it's it's non-downloadable that's, that's the one thing, definitely. Um, and uh, you can like make a digital copy out of it. Um, you have it or, or you don't have it. And because most of the print runs are very limited, um, once it's gone, it's gone.
0: Let's move on to another example that you would like to talk about. And this is, I believe the band is called Tame Impala. That's right. From a gig in 2013, Okay, so again, it's a very difficult uh, poster to describe. It looks like some sort of weird sculpture in the middle of a room with uh, stars in the background and some very interesting colors now in this one, I might note. Uh, Some fluorescent pinks as well as some dark greens, potentially, and blacks. Why did you choose this one to talk about?
1: It's a poster I've uh, I've been coming across online for years now, and when the uh, possibility arise to curate this poster show here, I just simply uh, wrote in a mail and say, Paloma, would you uh, would you like to send your poster over?" And unfortunately, she said yes because uh, she, went out of doing gig posters a couple of years ago, she moved out of Chicago and. Um, she might get back into it. She said, once she get, get a hang on that parenting thing, she might get back into a gig process. Oh, I know a thing or two about that parenting thing, too. Um, and I always, uh, always love this person because it's, 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 it's again, tells a lot about what gig process can be. It's just create an image that maybe only loosely resembles these bands, but somehow creates a kind of magic. Image that people who are deeply into this band can can relate to, and basically from what I what I've learned about this poster, it's 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 this uh, it's it's an island in the South China Sea, and they call it the James Bond Island because it's one of these islands that that's, uh, the man with the golden gun played around there, and uh, she took that one and has this kind of strange star grit glitter thing uh, behind it it's uh, uh, I, I can't really put my finger on it it's it's resonating somewhere in me Uh Maybe that's where where the uh, where the unicorns uh, are um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> are stored somewhere deep inside the. Uh, this is where this poster has always a, a place.
0: And this is one of the female artists.
1: That's one of for. the female artists. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, coming back to, to to your question about the female artists, the uh, there were like two difficulties I had with these uh, with the concept of the exhibition first. Um, I uh, had to uh, have the, um, the, the time frame in, uh, in mind because I know with uh, with my fellow poster um, friends and cohorts, it's always like, think in terms of month so that you get the posters you're asking for. Um, so that's, that was the one thing I had to keep in mind. The other thing was like, as the concept was uh, to have one person from a US American artist and one from a German artist or German speaking artist um, for for uh, one and the same band. I really had to see which bands uh, uh, I had posters for already in my collection or friends had them, and uh, for what posters I had to uh, call American friends and who are who were able to send them over right in time. So uh, a lot of posters I really would have loved in the, in the collections they were just uh, out of the ball game just because I knew if I asked this artist it will take half a year until they they deliver the poster so um, and and Paloma that that, that was the good exception from it because uh, um, I, I simply wrote her and she sent it out right away so that poster was uh, on my desk like four days after we mailed so Hooray to UPS Express.
0: So how many total posters do you think we'll be showing here?
1: Uh, It depends on how much we can manage to put on the wall, but uh, something between 60 and 80, I guess. So yes, as I can say
0: once again, this is a very great show. Just looking at the four or five gig posters that Torsten has brought in today has blown my mind and brought back so many wonderful memories from my chaotic youth. (laughs) It is a great show. It draws together a variety of different artistic disciplines and cultural movements, and we see some really great art, some great design that is quite simply impossible to describe on the radio. So we hope you do come. Thank you, Torsten Jönke from the American Poster Institute. Thank you for having me, Andy. The exhibition, once again, will run through the 2nd of April at the American Central. Our opening hours are 10 to 3, Monday through Friday. But please contact us in advance at info, I-N-F-O, at americatzentrum.da, America with a K, Centrum with a Z, or visit our website, A for more information. And don't forget, entrance is free for this wonderful exhibit. We hope you can come.